Hello, my name is Jay Wetter. I'm host of the Canola Watch podcast, and today we're talking about resistant weed management. My guests today are Neil Harker, research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada in Lacombe, Alberta, Ian App, the Canola Council of Canada agronomy specialist for Northwest Saskatchewan, and Angela Post, who is a weed extension specialist with Oklahoma State University. This podcast was recorded at the International Rapeseed Congress in Saskatoon in July. Neil Harker leads off with a summary of his talk at the International Rapeseed Congress. My message was basically that uh, we've already got a lot of resistance and if we want to manage it further and uh, keep it from getting severe, we need to look to uh, alternatives to herbicides to do some of that. We still need to use herbicides, but there are things we can do with uh, seeding rates and silage and uh, winter crops that will give us options to disadvantage some of those weeds. What would your herbicide, or what would your seeding rate suggestion be? Well, in canola, we, we would say we'd like to get up around uh, 150 seeds per meter squared, which means something like uh, would would target 7 to 10 plants per square foot. Uh, that's what we'd like to see come up. Uh, for cereals, uh, we would, uh, where the, the seed is cheaper, we'd like to essentially double normal seeding rates. I mean, that's a good point, is that, when you're looking at herbicide-resistant weeds management, you should probably take a whole rotation approach. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we're, we don't want to encourage uh, people to grow the same crop year after year, and, and, and not many do. So uh, if you're going to do weed resistance management, you just can't do it one year and leave them the rest because seeds. Uh, the reason weeds are such issues is they have a soil seed bank, and if you let them build up, then they're there for a few years. So what weeds are probably going to be the biggest problem in Western Canada in the next five, or for glyphosate resistance in the next 5, 10, 15 years? Yeah, okay, so we have, uh, right now, we've identified in the three prairie provinces uh, glyphosate-resistant kochia, and so that's already there. Um, we expect, just with uh, some of the models, and I say we, but Hugh Becky, who is more of a resistance specialist, would expect that uh, wild oats... Um, green foxtail and cleavers will be our next issues. And, and that would be just a numbers game. We have lots of those weeds out there, lots of them in crop where we put on all the selection pressure. So that's what we expect. We're often surprised, though. So uh, who knows what it will be. We'll wait yeah, and see. Right. So we just know those would be what the odds suggest, but right. not necessarily what's going to happen. Angela, what are some of the... Uh, herbicide resistant weeds growers are dealing with in Oklahoma. So the resistant weeds that would be similar to what you deal with here are going to be kochia. We have mare's tail and, and palmer pigweed in the summertime weeds. Um, but we actually introduced canola in order to manage a herbicide resistant weed, which is ALS resistant grasses, Italian ryegrass in particular. And so as we continue to expand our acres of Roundup ready canola, we're expecting that we'll see that resistance build in those Italian ryegrass populations and maybe many of our other bromus grasses um, that we deal with down there. And that would be a, a real loss to our cropping system down there to lose that tool of canola as a rotational tool. Can I, a question then, is how, how is canola at advantage to manage those weeds? Is it because of the herbicides you can use because or is it because of something else? Yeah, it's mostly because we have um, open option to use herminicides. 
So uh, right now we don't have a lot of ACCase resistance in those weeds. And then we also have the option for Roundup and we have um, the option for Stinger, which is actually kind of poor on grasses. But um, there are many more options than what they have in wheat to control grasses um, until just recently. We do have some new pre's that are coming down the line for wheat, but it's hard to use pre-emergent herbicides in Oklahoma because we just don't get the moisture we need in the fall to activate them. Okay. So is it primarily Roundup Ready canola that's used as a cleanup, or if canola is used as a bit of a cleanup crop for resistant weed, it's primarily Roundup Ready or is there Liberty Link or other? It's about 90% or more Roundup Ready canola. We grow some conventional varieties. We have conventional varieties coming out of K-State's breeding program um, that growers are trying to use, but we don't have a lot of registered herbicides even for the conventional varieties. So that makes it a challenge. Basically, we have Sonalan, Treflan, Stinger and the graminicides in for conventional canola and nothing else. Neil, what in terms of approaches farmers should be taking proactively? You mentioned a few, but um, is this something that growers should be seriously thinking about if they haven't already? And or what would be the first good first step for them? Well, I uh, one of the things that Angela mentioned was that. Um, these alternate herbicides, and I'd like to see uh, more people start to think about some of the old treflans and edges, uh, just to take some pressure off some of the other herbicides. And they are still available, and some people are going back to them. And uh, so, when you're when you you're talking herbicide issues, I'd like to see us go back to some of the older ones where we don't have big resistance issues and take some pressure off our more important herbicides. And they would also offer a seasonal difference too, right? Or is it, even though they're applied, they could be applied in the fall, are they still doing most Yeah, of I mean, you can apply a, um, Treflan and Edge in the fall, especially if it's a granule, uh, and have it work pretty well. Uh, it's pretty common for industries, sales reps in Western Canada, to push for um, rotating herbicides or adding multiple groups. What are your thoughts on that? Is that a long or how? What kind of how successful is that strategy going to be? Is it going to be a long term, a little bit? Is it a short term? Is it a gap strategy? Um, yeah, that's a good question, and we don't really know. We we model it and we do studies, and we we say that a tank mix is a little better than a rotation. I know Hubecky did some work to show that uh, that it's a tank mix of two effective modes of action that will delay resistance a little longer than just rotating chemicals over time. Neil, can you talk about the value of winter crops as a tool in resistance management? What happens over the years is you select for the weeds by the life cycle you're growing. So in the Western Canada, we grow predominantly, vastly predominantly, uh, summer annual crops. And so our number one, two, three, four weeds are summer annual weeds, and they have been for four decades. And until we switch and get more winter, winter crops in, um, that's the way it's going to be, and so we mixing things up with with crop life cycle diversity is a really good thing if you can. With a lot of issues in agriculture, the growers understandably aren't really motivated to to make a change if they've got a system that's working until they hit that wall where they okay now economically I need to do something. When it comes to herbicide resistant weeds, is there is there a motivation, or should they be thinking a motivation now, a strategy, or is it okay if it, uh, you know, when it happens, then they deal with it? 
Well, it would be best if they do it more proactively um, because uh, sometimes you're left with very few options when it hits. If it's a big weed, Palmer amaranth uh, down in the so southeastern U.S., when that hits, it's it's such a game changer because it's already resistant to group twos. It's already resistant to several other modes of action, in some cases, HPPDs. And so then you have glyphosate and you take away most of the major modes of action. So it would be nice if you, they could take a little long longer-term approach and three or four years before they have the problem start doing things that perhaps would not give them the same net returns but by the time they get to resistance it'll only take them about three or four years to catch up where they'll start losing overall net returns if you average across those years. Yeah okay and Angela in, in the states is in Oklahoma in particular canola is fairly new crop. I think I'm not sure how many years it's been growing down there, but is there a chance that growers would lose canola? You'd mentioned that earlier if in the southern a key weed yeah. Yeah, came along. Yeah, in the southern Great Plains it is fairly new. They've been growing it for obviously a very long time in, in the um, North and South Dakota, yeah. the mm -hmm. same way you all grow it here. Um, it would be kind of a game changer because we introduced it as a weed control mechanism. Um, you don't want to be in a situation where you lose the opportunity to use a crop as a, as a rotational tool. Um, but if we don't start to see new registrations in our winter canola, we're going to face that challenge anyway because growers are going to rely on, on glyphosate solely um, just because they don't have good options in conventional canola. But, uh, you know, Palmer pigweed is not our main one. We're, we're again, mostly looking towards those grasses. And they also are similar to that in that they have multiple resistance and we don't want to see glyphosate come along and, and add to the ACCA's mm -hmm. ALS resistance that they already have. Do you think, um, you know, the way the numbers of herbicide-resistant weeds are growing all the time, uh, is there an end in sight for this? Are we going to have to go back to tillage and, and hand weeding? Or, like, where, <laughs> where do you see this going? Is there a... A happy yeah, ending. I think we are. We already are seeing more tillage. Um, um, hopefully, in the broad acre, as they say in Australia, the large acre crops. Uh, where I don't think we can ever make hand weeding economical. We just the fields are too big, and uh, uh, and the crop value per acre isn't high enough. Uh, so. I think we're just going to start losing some of our major tools slowly and. So if there isn't uh, some other new tool coming along, and that prospect hasn't been good over the last 20 or 30 years almost for a major new mode of action, um, we've got to be very careful about the ones we let go because it doesn't seem like much else is coming along, at least in the, the medium term. Well, Ian, sorry you have a question, but I just wondered about, you just made me think of this stat uh, those stacked traits, say, right. if you got Liberty Link and Roundup Ready in the same variety, is that a solution? Well, it, I don't think it's an ultimate solution, but it is a solution to slow things down a bit because you are playing the, the numbers game and you've got, uh, it's going to be much more difficult to find one biotype or one plant that will resist both all at once. So that'll be a much lower uh, population frequency plant. So. It's, it's a good way to slow things down, and, and I think the industries recognize that, and they're moving to it in a big way, but 
I mean, where they have uh, dicamba-resistant soybeans, we already have uh, dicamba-resistant kosher. Yeah. And it's one of the big weeds. So who knows how long that'll last with some of the difficult weeds. Uh, and as some herbicides are more prone to resistance than others, some weeds are more prone to resistance than others. And kosher is one of those ones that seems to be much more prone to resistance than some other weeds. Mm. So is that, that prone to resistance, is that primarily a reproductive seeds produced per plant? Is that the driving factor for prone to resistance, or is there other characteristics? Well, that's one of them. Uh, prolific seeds gives you more genotypes out there to select against, but you also have uh, a, a short seed banks in the soil is much more prone to resistance. If you have a long seed bank that sits down there and doesn't get selected, then uh, resistance doesn't happen as fast, but in some of the... Uh, the typical examples, kosher has a very short seed bank, I think, in our area, at least it's only two or three years, most of it. Uh, rigid ryegrass, the worst resistant weed in the world, has a one to two year seed bank. So if, if you don't have that long seed bank, uh, it's going to be more difficult to select for resistance. Velvet leaf's a good example. We, you know, it's all over in the corn belt, but we don't have a huge problem with velvet leaf resistant because it has such a long soil seed bank. So with the lack of new herbicide modes of action coming out in the last even 20 years, we're kind of, you know, moving forward to looking at developing uh, integrated weed management techniques. Uh, and I know, Neil, you've done some work with managing weed seed, or you're starting to do some work with weed seed management. Um, do you think there's, there will be success for that in Western Canada? Uh, I do. I think uh, the Australians were driven to do it because they had very few other options and uh, and our growers don't want to carry a chaff cart behind their combine, but the Australian growers didn't want to either, but now they are because they realize it makes very little sense to just spread the most successful weeds out all over the field every year. And so whether it's a chaff cart, a Harrington Seed Destructor, and they have a new model that's built right into the back of the combine, which will come out now, and so it'll be more convenient. Uh, you could put chaff in in the uh, in the rows where you're controlled traffic farming, and just run over it with your wheel track. I don't know that we'll get to burning chaff like they are in Australia, but yeah, we're going to be doing. I think we are going to be doing a lot more of that. Um, and I, ho I hope we are, so that we can preserve some of those tools. I know some of the success of uh, seed weed management depends on the type of weed species. In Western or in Australia, they're very lucky with uh, some of their seeds being retained or throughout the harvest. Do you think that's similar in Western Canada, or is there a variety of responses? Yeah, I, they are very fortunate that they're two big weeds, both wild radish and rigid ryegrass, are fairly tightly held and little shattering through harvest. Um, and I'll get Angela comment on your weeds down there, but our wild oats were already seeing in, in our early studies that uh, less than half of that seed is held. And so it goes to the ground, so that cuts out your option for doing harvest weed seed control, at least those techniques that go through the combine and come out through the chaff. But yes, you may so have some we'll others. Be, we'll be facing that uh, as a challenge for some of ours. The Italian ryegrass, which is one of our big targets, tends to hold its seed pretty well until harvest, but uh, the other bromes, uh, downy brome, cheap, Japanese brome, rescue grass, those are all pretty much going to shatter as you're trying to harvest or prior to harvest. Mm -hmm. And many of them also, um, for example, cheap and, and uh, rescue grass, 
actually never even reach the canopy of the wheat uh, when we're doing that. So it, they're you know sometimes even going to be below the cutting level of your combine, which makes it challenging to try and get that then through through a challenge. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. Uh, um, it's something we haven't talked about yet. But if you go below, if the seeds are down where you can't even cut them off, well then you have no. You, you got to get them into the combine, and so we we are looking at that with cleavers, and uh, and we're finding that we're getting most of the cleavers if we're if we can cut down to about uh, a foot, um, we're getting at least eighty percent of them. But there may be other weeds, like I, chickweed, for example. I think you're going to have a hard time getting that into a combine. It's just too low to the ground. Well, if we can wrap up with uh, your last thoughts or last word to growers in terms of herbicide-resistant weed management, Neil, what would it be? Um, well, the old expression, if you're trying to get a change and you're doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to go crazy. Um, I think uh, it would be wise that if growers and, and researchers would just stay open-minded to something other than just herbicide solutions for herbicide resistance. Angela? Mine would be what I'm telling all my growers, don't think about what that weed control application costs you. Think about what those weeds standing out in the field are going to cost you over time. Mm -hmm. Ian, do you have a last word? Uh, yeah, right now we still have lots of tools in Western Canada. And if we, so if we continue doing the same thing over and over, we're going to lose those tools in a hurry. So kind of like Neil said, now is the time to do things with while we still have tools to rely on. This has been a Canola Watch podcast. I'm Jay Wetter. For more on Canola Watch, visit www.canolawatch.org.